Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, Valerie Adams claims yet another World Championship title. The War of Words heats up ahead of the opening Bledisloe Cup test. The host cities for the Under-20 Football World Cup are revealed. And the Magic secure two key signings for next year's Trans-Tasman netball season. The New Zealand Athletic star Valerie Adams made history this week as she threw her way to her fourth shot put World Championship title in Moscow. Adams was at her dominant best with a throw of 20.88 metres, eclipsing the field by almost half a metre. The win makes her the most successful shot putter in history as the first to win four world titles in the discipline. An ecstatic Adams spoke to the world's media shortly after the win. It was fantastic to be out there, to um, be part of history as my fourth world title. Um, definitely like a great birthday present for my coach. It's the 70th birthday just this year and I you know, dedicate this uh, gold medal to him. Um, we worked very hard for this day and um, you know, just pretty happy that I'm able to execute it. Um, it's been a very long year this year and uh, hey man, I'm just super happy, super happy to put New Zealand up there. Yeah, well, it's just the team, there's nine of us, but you know what, it makes up for um, a lot more, so it's pretty good. I mean, you said it's been a tough year, you didn't obviously get the goal medal, <laughs> but you know, how hard was it, you know, with doping in the headlines so much recently, you know, you were a real victim. Yeah, you know, I was, but, you know, that's just um, part and parcel of doing what we do today. Um, but I'm very happy to, to know that they're trying to catch cheaters, you know, and they are trying to clean up our sport, and that's something that we work towards. I, stay, I solemnly stand by um, uh, no drugs in sport, and that's something that I work towards, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, young kids out there know that we, you can do it clean, and I've done it clean in four years in a row, uh, four titles in a row now in two Olympic Games. So it is possible. You don't have to, you know, come to that. So... It's just part and parcel of our sport. You just have to continue to do what you do. Now people will be asking, you, how do you do it? <laughs> um, you know, it's the want to win, it's the want to succeed. Um, my, I come from a very small country, and to be able to put my country up there amongst the likes of Germany, USA, and China, it's a privilege and it's an honour. And I'm um, blessed with talents that you know I'm utilising today. And you know, thanks to my parents and then. You know, my coach has definitely moulded me into something else, and uh, I have him to thank for. That's why it's his birthday present, and thanks to Russia for this great evening. And you thank Russia, but your crowd wasn't full in there. Do you know it doesn't matter? The competition's inside the the um, arena, and that's where you got to focus on. We had two people competing for, and there were two Russian athletes competing, and they were cheering for them. But you know what? Competition's competition. You just got to take it. Hey, I've competed in New Zealand with two people in there, so say lovey. Rugby's Bledisloe Cup is back this week and the build-up featured all the verbal sparring that comes with a clash between the traditional trans-Tasman rivals.
It was the All Blacks coach Steve Hansen who landed the first blow, suggesting the new Wallabies coach Ewan McKenzie's indecision over who would play first 5 8th in Sydney was a sign of weakness. There are reports out of Aussie that Ewan McKenzie's trying to play some mind games with his team selections. Are you feeling mentally challenged by what he's doing? <laughs> no. Um, I, I actually think the better question would be uh, is he feeling a bit mentally challenged that he doesn't know which 5-8 he wants to play um, you know, he's in a difficult situation isn't he because uh, I'm imagining that uh, when Robbie Deans wasn't p- picking Quade Cooper he was probably saying I'll pick you Quade, I'll pick you and uh, our information is telling us he's going to pick the other bloke now, there's only two reasons why he wouldn't want to tell them. One, he's not sure himself. Uh, or, or two, he doesn't think they can cope with the pressure of being out there in the public too early. So he's not affecting us. No, it doesn't bother me who, who they play. Steve Hansen was on the money with his prediction, with Matt Tamua named to start in the 10 jersey ahead of the mercurial Quade Cooper. But McKenzie was quick to rebuff any suggestion he was feeling the pressure. I've been waiting for Steve to appear. Um, he's been quiet all week, so it's nice to see that he's, uh, he's still there. And uh, um, no, I don't feel any pressure at all. I feel pretty good about uh, where we've gone the last two weeks. I know the players are pretty comfortable. We've had a very spirited couple of weeks. Uh, been very competitive. That's brought the best out in the players. So um, no confusion for me or the players. The 10 jersey has also been a focus for the All Blacks, with Dan Carter ruled out of the match with a calf injury, turning attention to Aaron Cruden, who will steer the ship at ANZ Stadium. Cruden's improvements over the last two seasons have seen him develop into a world-class pivot in his own right, with back-to-back super rugby titles at the Chiefs enhancing his stature. He says that's given him the belief that he can comfortably fill Carter's shoes. A couple of years ago, I probably thought the the same way. I was really nervous. I was... um probably just didn't play my natural game. I thought I had to change a few things coming into to the highest level of New Zealand rugby, but you know, the last few years have really shown me that I can just get out there and, and do my thing, and you know, I was picked um, for a reason, for the way that I play, and if I you know, change that, then I'm probably not doing myself justice, and also the jersey, so I'm really excited about the challenge. Um, I am comfortable in the environment now, and you know, I just have to get out there and, and play my natural game, boss the big boys around and you know, take the ball to the line and, and try and be a bit of a threat also. One area of Cruden's game that will come under the spotlight will be his goal kicking. As he only managed a 69% success rate in Super Rugby and he said he's been making some adjustments. Coming into this environment we've got Mick Byrne who's the skill coach and you know, he's helped me a lot uh, over the last week. Just little things in my technique. Um, he said I was getting a little bit square onto the ball in my approach lately, and um, you know, he said when he identified when I'm kicking well, I'm coming at uh, more of an angle and, and really finding that comfortable spot. So for me, it's just been getting back to that, trying to find that comfortable spot, and uh, it's been coming off the foot nicely either this week. You know, I know as a as a goal kicker, I've got to be kicking often and um, to keep that rhythm and. Um, you know, for me it's just getting out there, not worrying too much about the outcome, it's more about the process and then that'll move forward and sort of the outcome will take care of itself after that. Aaron Cruden. The 2015 FIFA Under-20 World Cup to be hosted in New Zealand hit a milestone this week with the host cities for the tournament revealed in an event in Auckland. Auckland's North Harbour Stadium was named to host the final with Wellington and Christchurch also set to feature heavily. Dunedin and Hamilton were also included, with two smaller centres, Whangarei and New Plymouth, added to the mix. The tournament is FIFA's second biggest, and in the past has featured greats of the game, such as Diego Maradona, Lionel Messi and Michael Owen.
Reporters caught up with the chief executive of the local organising committee, Dave Beach, who outlined the decision to host the final at North Harbour as opposed to the larger Eden Park. It was a tough choice, but look, at the end of the day, North Harbour is the home of football. We held the 99 tournament there, the 2008 tournament there. It's designed for football. The fans can get a lot closer to the, the field and the experience, and it's a real focal point for us. You know, we want this to be a fantastic fan experience. So uh, we will be putting additional temporary seats in there to increase the capacity and you know, create that full-circle stadium vibe. So look, at the end of the day, that's the, that's the best stadium we felt for this tournament. So capacity throughout the tournament in North Harbour will be, what, 30,000? Look, it's got up to 30,000. We yet to finalise the exact seating layout and plan. It'll be somewhere between 25 and 30. The Eden Park just too much of a risk given that you you know to have a decent look it'd have to be 40,000 per game. Look it's a factor you've got to you've got to you know weigh up is uh, you know is working out whether you can fill a stadium that big and look while I think you know for the finals no doubt we could absolutely you know fill that uh, I think you know earlier in the tournament with pool play and stuff you want to, you still want to create that atmosphere for every single game so uh, but look as I say it's not just the capacity of the stadium it's all those other factors we mentioned potential of having the, the final and those big games in another city or was it always going to be open? Uh, look it was always up for grabs between the three main centres uh, we did take an open view to that and then every city's got a good case, you know Wellington obviously with the Caketon and what they did with the Bahrain game and you know with Christchurch and you know, post recovery type approach and you know, helping there and I think we've really stepped up in that with giving them a semi-final so that's really going to help and we're really looking forward to playing a, a part in that uh, but look at the end of the day with the population base and the hub we've got here in Auckland um, you know, we felt it was the best option was that a conscious effort then, with the same with Christchurch in that semi-final, that yeah. you wanted to help with their recovery? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it was definitely a factor we, uh, we put into the mix, um, and, uh, and we found them great to work with. They were really aggressive in their bid, and at the end of the day, that was they came out on top. I guess with some of the smaller centres now, the challenge is getting those communities in behind it so that you'll sell tickets and all of those to all of those games? Oh absolutely and I think in some ways it's almost easier to engage the smaller centres um, and you never want to take anything for granted but you know it'll be a big deal uh, in all those centres. Um, you'll have to market it harder in the big cities you know obviously you need more people you're going to have to invest more to get the cut through but um, we hope that you know as the momentum builds towards 2015 this will really start to get the, the flow going. You know the, the obvious channel to market is through that local football community you know in a winter tournament everyone's going to be playing football. You know there's 20,000 players out there, there's our audience there, you know, we've only got to bring, you know, five friends each to, you know, we've got, we've got you know, hundreds of thousands of people coming to the games, so, um, but that combined with, I think, that world nature of this tournament, um, and uh, people have learnt what it's like to have a world tournament in New Zealand after rugby, so, um, yeah, and I think it's going to be good. Do you think there's a realisation from the public at this stage about how big this event is? No, look, and, and we haven't gone hard on anything yet. This is, I guess, the first milestone, the first sort of noise we're going to make. And um, uh, no, I, th- I don't think there's really any real appreciation. The football community is starting to get, understand what it's going to be. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, it'll really help once that first game gets underway. And it's going to be, oh, wow, this is what this is about. These guys are unbelievable. And, you know, having been up there in Turkey and seen the quality of the play, I mean, half these guys are professionals. You know, they're playing for English Premier League clubs and German clubs and stuff. And, and uh, But they're sort of doing it without the shackles of, you know, that professionalism. They're they're like these players that have just been unleashed, and they're, they're just—it's just fantastic to watch. So once we uh, see that in the first few games, I think we'll be away. Two of the places are Whangarei and New Plymouth missed out Cricket World Cup. Was that any part of you know discussions wanting to still give these places some kind of World Cup? No, we ran the processes completely independent, but it's actually worked out quite well. You know, so Napier and Nelson have got uh, cricket games and and uh, not, you know win the mix of the football. So um, you know, and, and uh, like you say, New Plymouth and Whangarei have got football. So it's uh, it's a great outcome for New Zealand. How many host cities were in the mix? How many bids were there? Yeah, so look, nine were really in the mix uh, up front. So um, and then the yeah, FIFA came down. We did the inspections, and it was you know it was a tough call. 
Uh, we wanted a seven-city model to get that full geographic spread. Um, you know, the typical would normally be six, you know, six pools, six cities, but we stretched FIFA to seven uh, to make sure we got right around the country. So, and then it was just a way up with all the, you know, the stadium, the training grounds, the hotels, the, uh, the geographic spread we'll put into the mix, and um, and that's how the calls made. So, who were the two that missed out, and why? I suppose. In the yeah, look, so um, Napier uh, were, were in the mix, and, and Nelson sort of uh, were in the mix as well. So, um, and look, it was it was a line call. You know, they're, they're both great cities and they put forward compelling bids but someone had to miss out at the end of the day and it was just a, a way up and you know, FIFA ultimately make the call um, and uh, yeah, as I said we just weighed up all the, uh, the stadiums, the training grounds, hotels, facilities the geographic spread around the country and, and that's uh, what popped out at the end Do you think organising this tournament's become a bit easier just due to the fact that the Rugby World Cup was a couple of years ago so all these grounds, the work's already been done on them? Uh, undoubtedly, the number of factors not just the stadiums that are you know, already in now in really good shape but um, just the people you know, you rock up to a council now uh, in host city, you start working with them about a tournament, they get it. You know, the stadium staff get what it is to deliver a multi-day tournament. And um, life is a lot easier. Although, you know, our word of caution to them is um, FIFA is not IRB. It comes with a different set of rules, different approach and stuff. So um, we do need to be careful that we don't just uh, fall into that trap. It's going to be the same as rugby. It's not. It's going to be completely different. Uh, but, but having said that, you know, the overall, yeah, we're in a much better position as a result of rugby. What do you now work on? I suppose, what do you take out of what you experienced over in Turkey at those worlds? Yeah, ticketing strategy is top priority, so you know, working out how we're going to engage uh, both the football community and the broader sports fans and, and public around New Zealand is probably our top priority. Uh, we're starting next week with our venue kickoff meetings, so we're there and they're building the communication channel, starting the planning around that. Um, yeah, there's a good two years of hard work to go, so um, you know, we're into it. How many tickets is it now that um, will be for sale? What yeah, look, so um, the, the capacity for the tournament is about 750,000 based on full capacity for every single game. Now, obviously, there's other complementaries we have to give away and so forth, so we'll come up with a, a, a real specific targeting uh, or ticket number we've got to sell uh, over the course of the next few months as we develop that strategy. That's the Chief Executive of the Local Organising Committee, Dave Beach. The Chairman of New Zealand Football, Frank Van Haddam, says the public will soon realise how big the tournament will be for this country. If they don't now, they probably will do by the time the tournament comes around. But I think they do, um, when you look what happened with the, uh, the FIFA World Cup, people realise just how big football is. And um, just the, the sheer pageantry of the whole uh, development of this next two years, I'm sure no one will, uh, no one will be dying wondering. And I guess the challenge for, from a New Zealand football point of view will be using this to continue the growth of um, football football here, have you already got plans in place for how you can do that? Oh without a doubt, one of the things we, we say we've always got moments of magic and you know we had the World Cup and we had the under 17s and occasionally we have some big events and it mobilises the public, so this is another one that there's lots of events in the next two two years that can help keep football top of mind, that'll inspire kids to get interested, a lot of other people who are not interested in day to day football will get inter- interested and, and behind that there are programmes to help take all the new growth of players and, uh, and make sure they've got some special thing going on. And getting it out also into some of those uh, smaller centres would be good for you guys just to grow the game away from the, the main cities? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, to have seven cities involved, and especially some of the smaller ones, and that will mobilise you know, all around there. You know, so Taranaki is my hometown, for example, and I know that you know, people from Wanganui will come across and you know, all around the mountain, and Wangarei is the same thing, and I think that's terrific for those small provinces. They will mobilise, the kids will actually adopt teams and all that sort of thing, and I think that's a fantastic thing.
Uh, and obviously it's uh, nice to work for Christchurch to get in there and uh, get a semi-final after the things I've missed out on in the last couple of years. Yeah, we all care about Christchurch and um, you know they had to work hard to do it. They did a great job and to actually give it to um, you know they are a very, very strong footballing um, and proud proud uh, area. So to actually be able to help them out and to do that, uh, I, I can't wait for that and good luck to Christchurch. Just more uh, broadly within New Zealand football at the moment, um, obviously ta- uh, tickets for the, for the All Whites went on sale this week. Were you happy with the response that got? Well, it'd be nice to sell out in three minutes, but uh, those numbers we're getting are absolutely fantastic, and uh, it will just that city will be uh, you know on Wednesday, November the twentieth, it will be just like a weekend. So anyone's got plans, better start making some new friends and getting down there. There's only seven or eight thousand tickets left, and uh, they haven't even gone on sale in the general public. So fantastic result, but it just highlights just how powerful football can be. People know how how big it can be, how emotional and how exciting. So we need to get people along, and uh, and they're responding with fantastic. And it, and it shows, I guess, that it, um, what happened a few years ago is still um, still means something to people and they're still thinking about that? Oh, it's fresh in their minds. Anyone that hadn't gone have been, all been told they should go and all the people that did go, uh, they were first in the queue. So uh, memories are wonderful things and you know, you've got to be there on the night. Who knows what's going to be happening it's, uh, and it's going to be stressful. And I guess events like this only sort of add to that um, sort of feeling around football. Oh, without a doubt, it's credibility. We want their name and lights. We all feel good. We all love our sport. But every now and then, when you you know you can have this sort of stuff going on, it inspires people. And uh, those events are what keeps doing it for people. And with the um, team itself, uh, are there any sort of plans for games um, leading up to that? Yeah, they'll, they'll be announced in the next week or so. There's um, there's two FIFA windows we'll take advantage of, so we have to prepare the team. Remembering how difficult it is, we only get them for a week at a time. And uh, so, you know, there is uh, two two week, uh, two week programs in place, so probably four games if we can manage that. Um, and that's the kind of development we had last time. So uh, looking forward to announcing that probably in a few days. Frank Van Haddam. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic softened the blow of losing two of their most valuable players this week, securing two key players for the upcoming Trans-Tasman season. After losing the influential Laura Langman and the shooting great Irene Van Dyke, New Zealand's most successful side was in danger of falling apart. While they're still waiting to see if the captain, Casey Kopoa, will re-sign, they've managed to keep another silver fern, the defender Liana Dubrain. Richard Wayne spoke to her about the decision to stay at the Magic, which she says she's made for family reasons. I'm quite settled over here and my little boy's going to school next year. So, you know, yeah, there was just one of those things that I had to weigh up um, between career-wise and, and trying to be a good mum as well. <laughs> but, yeah, I just it's definitely the main reason for me staying um, put in the Waikato. You spent a little bit of time at the Southern Steel. Uh, was that sort of dislocation uh, reason you didn't want to repeat that experience? Yeah, it was hard and, you know, like when, when they're little, it's actually easier to go away because they kind of don't know. But when they get bigger and they have opinions and, you know, they, they can tell you they really miss you and it's always an issue when you go away, <laughs> um, I think it gets harder. And obviously, um, he's at an age where he really um, is a bit of a mummy's boy at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's those type of things. And, and I said as well um, to previous interviews that, you know, I don't want to miss out on important stuff like going to school because I'm on a plane somewhere for my job. So, um, yeah, it's just those little things that I thought would be definitely harder if I if I commute or go somewhere else. It's been reported that you turned down a substantial offer from the tactics. Is that correct? <laughs> and was that difficult? Yeah, it was. It was hard because at the end of the day, you know, this is your job and... Um, I can only probably do it not that much longer. So, yeah, it was hard. And, and I really, I I love um, teaching younger 
kids and, and helping younger players to become better. And that was really hard for me because I do, I would have liked that, that challenge as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm still in a competitive environment where I'm fighting for a spot in the Silver Ferns and I got to look at that type of stuff as well. So um, it was definitely hard to say no to them. <laughs> Well, you've got a few young up-and-comers coming through the ranks of the Magic as well with these teenagers, Brooke Lever and Samantha Sinclair signed. Have you seen them at all? Do you know anything about them? Um, Brookie, I've seen a little bit of her. She's come to play with us um, during the Magic season, and I just love the fact that she doesn't care who she plays against. You know, she'll always go 110, and her willingness to learn, I thought, was really cool. Um, and then I don't know much about Sam. I think we've played against her once, but I remember thinking, man, this girl's got some talent because obviously she's playing against Laura. And I thought, um, yeah, she did pretty good and against somebody that's obviously the best in the world. So I'm looking forward to, to see how the talent grows. Now, your re-signing must be an absolute bonus for the Magic after losing Laura and, and of course, Irene. Has the, the franchise expressed their um, <laughs> gratitude uh, adequately to you for the re-signing? Oh, yeah, they, they obviously spoke. And when I spoke to Julie, she said, oh, she can at least close one eye, <laughs> you know, when going to bed because she had a few sleep this night. But, yeah, they're very, obviously very happy and um like I said before, I, I love the Waikato and being part of it and being part of a new exciting era where we've got new personnel on board. And um, yeah, so that's that's really exciting for me as well. Well, of course, your, your captain, Casey Corpo, is the other um, name uh, that we haven't heard exactly yet whether she's come back on board, but the signs are looking pretty good, we understand. Yeah, you know, she's got to decide as well what's best for her and her career and um but hopefully she can sign on that dotted line soon. Um, it, it does look positive. Well, last time when I spoke to her, you know, these things change overnight. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, hopefully it will look good for us. It will be really good to keep her. And what's the sort of the mood like uh, after the exit of Irene and Laura in, in the camp? I mean, you can understand their reasons for it all, uh, both both very, very good reasons. But, um, you know, like uh, to, to lose talent like that um, it is a blow for the franchise. What's the mood been like? Yeah, I we obviously haven't really been around um, the franchise people all that much since everything happened. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it is hard to lose those people, really hard to replace them, <laughs> which is, is a tough call. But at the same time, you give other people opportunities and I think that they'll put their hands up and, and really go for this challenge. And, um, yeah, it, for me it's exciting to have new and younger players, but obviously the loss of them, it's really hard to to fill these shoes. <laughs> they they big shoes to fill. So, um, but yeah, like personally, you know, I respect the, the reasons why they, they go and, um, you, you know, you can't really do much and you've got to support them in, the, in their choices because that's what they do with you. So unfortunately, that's what they've decided. That's Leanna DeBrain speaking to Richard Wayne. Just about every shooter in the country was mentioned as a potential replacement for Van Dyke, but eventually the Canterbury Tactics player Joe Harton signed on to make the move north. The England international has been playing in the ANZ Championship for two seasons and told Richard Wayne the opportunity to move to the Waikato came as a surprise. It was a massive move and one that I didn't really kind of foresee a couple of weeks ago, but I'm really excited and looking forward to the next couple of seasons of the Magic and hopefully can do some damage up there and, yeah, get a bit of success, I think. It must be flattering, I guess, to be you know poached 
by um, you know New Zealand's form team, uh, the the best New Zealand team in the history of, of the competition. Yeah, definitely. It's I think an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up. Obviously, they're the only New Zealand team to have won the competition, so they've kind of got that success behind them as a franchise and. Obviously, some of their players have moved on, which you know has allowed this opportunity to occur. But they've still got that tradition and that history of success, which I think is really important for a club. Just about every top shooter who's available was linked with this position, and they've gone for you. I mean, that's a real vote of confidence for you and your game, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I spoke with Julie Fitzgerald uh, via email, and you know, she seemed really. Um, confident they, they would sign me and that was quite an exciting prospect and obviously there was lots of speculation in the media about the different shooters they were going to go for but obviously for whatever reason um, you know I'm the one that signed which is a great move for me and I really hope I can uh, improve my game up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I suppose you know you're only you're only young, aren't you? Really, in, in netball terms, especially compared to the you know the absolute legend that you're replacing. So, plenty of improvement for you, and we 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 might not have seen the best of Joe Harton yet. I really hope we haven't seen the best yet because we haven't. Um, I haven't been part of a winning team yet, so um, I really hope there's lots more to come from my own game. And like I said in previous interviews, this move hopefully will allow me to kind of develop another aspect another bow to my game and really try and push on as an international netball player and being you know, one, of the, one of the best shooters in the world that's my aim What do you think you'll uh, you know, learn from the coaches and, and, and especially the players I guess at the Magic? I think with the coaching staff we've got um, you know Judy Fitzgerald obviously comes from the Australian setup, so that's a whole different style of play to what I've been playing with in terms of you know New Zealand style and then um, my foresight is next to the firm, so um, her shooting background is hopefully going to be invaluable for me and then a lot. And then you've got the likes of the players, like Leona Bros obviously re-signed, so playing against her every day in training can only benefit me in my game, so it's going to be a really exciting time. The England team's on the rise. You've beaten Australia, you know, recently, and um, you know, proving a real handful these days. Uh, do you think the ANZ Championship and and some players like yourself have had a you know who are playing here have had an impact on the England team? Yeah, I think the ANZ has had a real positive impact on the England players. You know, playing over there, um, the likes of myself and Ebony who have come from kind of the same generation and really trying to step up and bring all of our experiences from the ANZ back home when we do play for England and it can only be a good thing for international netball if we can have you know, not just two teams like vying for the gold medal but actually three and that's the real goal of the England team at the moment is to try and step up and match it with Australia and New Zealand. Now obviously this is um, must be the most obvious question which I haven't asked yet but big shoes to fill. Irene van Dijk, absolute legend, gone, you're her replacement. Yeah, I don't really see myself as a replacement for Irene van Dijk because there's no player in the world that could ever replace Irene. She is, hands down, the best shooter to grace the game. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going in there trying to fill her boots. I'm going to go in there and try and, you know, step my own authority on that team, um, play my own game, and then hopefully, um, you know, the results will speak for themselves. But I've got a lot of work to do, and, yeah, I'm really looking forward to challenges. What do you think you can improve in your game to, to come near then to filling you know Irene's shoes? I think for me it's about um, 
more consistency and, you know, finishing off games. I think the more I've played games of games and against international defenders, you learn that it's not just a physical aspect, but a mental aspect. It's a real 60-minute performance. And I'm looking for that in my game and to really keep the volume of my shots up with the accuracy and try and shoot, you know, 95% plus um, in every single game of the season. And I don't think that comes in your first two seasons of the ANZ. Um, especially not a kind of a long-range moving shooter like myself. So trying to work all the different aspects of my game and build it into the whole package. From what I've seen of you, you're um, not only very accurate, but your um, your positional sense, your movement inside the circle is pretty good. And that's something that Irene's had to work out, uh, work on over the years to you know to box out defenders and make space, that sort of thing. Would you say that's a strong feature of your game? Yeah, I think so. Um, the way Irene plays, she's more of a holding shooter. She has added movement. I'd, I'd like to think that I'm more of a moving shooter that can hold. So slightly different styles. But um, I like to pride myself on you know, the, the knowledge of the players around me. I like to play play make for other players as well. So um, looking forward to you know, seeing the other signings in the, in the shooting end for Magic and seeing who I'm going to be playing with next year as well. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves, and we'll be back with extra time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.